0: Hey everyone, my name is Zach There, and I'm a storyteller from Illinois and you're listening to the Gift from God podcast, a podcast where I tell stories from my life and the lives of the people that I love. Today on the podcast, I decided to tell the story of the name behind the podcast. In the intro, I said it comes from Nathaniel, it's, the, it's what Nathaniel means, Gift from God, the Gift from God podcast, but I decided to bring my mother down and sit down across from her and talk about what life was like before Nathaniel came into our lives. And in case you don't know, Nathaniel is my younger brother. He's 22 years old as of this recording, and he is has multiple disabilities. He's multiply handicapped. And we're going to use the first episodes of this podcast to explain his life and tell his life story up until now. But before we get into all that, we need to talk about what life was like before Nathaniel back in the year 1995. So I must've been two or three when all this was happening, right? You were two. I was two. Okay. So mom, since I was two, I don't remember a whole lot, if anything at all. So could you do the audience a favor and describe to us what life was like before Nathaniel, you even considered having a second child?
1: Well, in 1993, you were born, and uh, we were pastoring in Central City, Kentucky. We had moved there in June of 92. You came in May of 93, and um, so life was just busy planting a church. Your dad was working Uh, full-time I think at the newspaper then is where he was and um, delivering newspapers no he was selling ads he was selling ads for the newspaper there in our little town where we lived and um you know I was babysitting a couple other kids than you and watching and listening to way too many hours of Barney
0: (laughs) (laughs) that was what your life was like so how did you and dad come to the conclusion that you know what Zachary isn't a perfect enough child. <laughs>
1: <laughs> might as well do it again. Might
0: as well do it again. You know, we messed up the first time. Like, how did you? <laughs> we need to try this.
1: Well, you were such a sweet and perfect child. <laughs> we thought we might as well add another one to the mix. Um, you know, I mean, you were two years old, um, like in May of 1995. And then, um, I don't know, sometime that summer, obviously, we... Uh, got pregnant with another baby, it was the first week of August, um, we found out that we were pregnant with our second baby. Mm -hmm. And so life was good. We were happy, you know, like, like we seriously made very little money then. But, you know, we were happy. And in October of 1995, I went in for my routine ultrasound, which they did at about 20 weeks. And um, and if you wanted to, then you could find out whether the baby was a boy or a girl. Mm -hmm. And so, like, you know, way back then, you drank ounces and ounces of liquid, you know, before you went to the doctor. And then they did the ultrasound. And um, so that particular day, you know, we just went in thinking, you know, everything was fine, just like it had been the first time. And um, the nurse just kept measuring. Your dad's the one who really noticed. The nurse just kept measuring um, the baby's head and then measuring the back of the rest of his body and then back up, you know, measuring his head and
0: like looking at the screen and
1: and you will you would just see like the little like almost like a mouse on your screen nowadays. You know, uh-huh. like that's kind of what it looked like. And they would click and click and then measure. OK. And so I really didn't think anything of it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like you really have to go to the bathroom because you've drank so much liquid. And um, she left the room. Mm mm-hmm. And, um, she was gone for a little while. And then, you know, like I was thinking, what is she doing? And then she actually came back in with Dr. Kanatzer, the one who had delivered you and my OB for, um, all the years that we lived there. And, um, Dr. Kanatser looked at the baby. And then <clears throat> I remember like vividly, like he put his hand on my hand and he said, um, your baby is massively hydrocephalic. And, um,
0: and then you're like, what the heck does that mean?
1: (laughs) Right. And he said, you know, he actually just kind of said he would see us the next morning. He didn't really give us much information. I just remember like, you know, because like he said, your baby's massively hydrocephalic and we don't think that he was, that the baby will survive. Hmm. And, um, so like you just, that's like dropped on you, like you know, this unwanted fact, you know, about a baby whose life you had been excited for coming into the world. And so then I just, you know, you just, I mean, it's just like the shock of something so terrible that you hear. And so, you know, they helped me to the restroom and we left the hospital. We went and got you from um, the lady who was keeping you while we were at the hospital Mm -hmm. And then I remember when we got home, we just we just started calling people and telling them, hey, listen, we've just heard this about our baby. We need people to pray. And then the next day we went um, into the doctor's office and he told us um, that he just didn't think the baby would um, survive outside the womb and um, he didn't think I would survive the delivery of the baby. And um, so like when they say that to you and your husband, like the mom isn't going to survive this, like that puts just a little bit of a different twist on to even how devastating that um, news really is, Mm -hmm. you know, but um, keep in mind, like it was a town of 5,000 people. It was a local community hospital, you know, they didn't have specialists and, Different people like that, there to add um, their opinions. And he just said, you know, like, my advice to you would be to terminate the baby. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my instant reaction was, is there's no way, mm-hmm. you know, there's no way that I can do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, my baby is alive and I'm a Christian and we pastor in this small community and everybody knows. You know that I'm pregnant, and and I just, you know, couldn't um, come to grips that that would be the right choice. Yeah, for me in that situation or any
0: situation, even though your life could potentially be endangered.
1: Right. Um. That. You know, I still couldn't have done it because I, you know, like you know, in the back of your mind that you know something surely something else has to be. There has to be another answer that no matter what would happen to the baby, like my life wouldn't be taken, Mm -hmm. you know? And like he went into his little spiel about, it's not a moral issue. It's a health issue for you. And, um, and he said, you know, like your baby is so perfect except for the hydrocephalus and the effect that it's having on the brain. And like I mean, I remember through my tears saying, you know, well, like if everything else is fine and he didn't live, like we could give his organs to another baby Mm -hmm. who needed him like that would be worth it in my mind to carry this baby to full term to help someone else if he wasn't going to survive.
0: Yeah. So why did they think he wouldn't survive birth? Because. Being outside um, the womb.
1: Right. Well, partly because like without being too graphic Mm -hmm. to come down the birth canal is quite a journey and uh, I'm and so like his head would be so big that his head would never make it during the in uh, the birth okay. canal so like if they hadn't known ahead of time that he was hydrocephalic then you know they wouldn't have been prepared with you know the surgery that really needed to happen to bring him into the world because mm-hmm. the natural way Nathaniel would we wouldn't have survived yeah
0: so why didn't they propose a c-section?
1: Well, he just because it was out of his, you know, purview of, uh, you know, of what he had experienced, they sent us to to Nashville to Vanderbilt University, Nashville, Tennessee.
0: After you were, you explained that you were adamant about going through with it,
1: right? And he knew, like, the baby could not be delivered in um, Muhlenberg County, Kentucky. He knew. Mm. You know, that that wasn't something that hospital could handle.
0: So you started seeing doctors in Nashville, Tennessee.
1: Yes. We went like probably a week later um, and had um, an ultrasound and they did an amniocentesis.
0: And what is that?
1: And that's where they take the long needle, put it in your abdomen and withdraw some amniotic fluid from the sac. And then they can test Things about the baby like I mean I don't I'm not a doctor but like chromosomal things like actually the amniocentesis came back a normal baby boy really which that just that's when we found out he was a boy mm-hmm. and it meant that you know like what it was was not chromosomal mm-hmm. you know it didn't change the fact that you know he was still showing hydrocephalic on you know, on the ultrasound and his ventricles. They couldn't see his ventricles.
0: So all that explained was that it wasn't carried through the DNA, that it just happened.
1: Right, right. And so basically I got a phone call um, from Vanderbilt University and they said, you know, they confirmed that what my local doctor had said was right. The baby was massively hydrocephalic and I had 10 days to terminate. But anyway, you know, like I just totally... I mean, I didn't even respond except to say, you know, I wasn't planning on having an abortion. And we didn't make any um, any phone calls back to Vanderbilt University. You know, like, like I would wake up crying and I would go to sleep crying. And like it was just really, you know, it was really sad to, you know, be thinking about my baby might not live. Mm-hmm. I really, I just thought, you know, I got a two-year-old that I've got to take care of. And, you know, like I've got to get past this overwhelming feeling of devastation so that I can do what I need to do in my everyday life and take care of my my two-year-old.
0: Sure. So were the doctors at Vanderbilt as pessimistic, pessimistic as, as far as your life expectancy through this? Oh, no.
1: They never even thought that. You know, it's just, they just, like, really, like, It came, you know, probably the 10 days and then I believe his name was Dr. Bruner. He called me and he said, well, he goes, I hear that, um, you know, you've decided not to have an abortion and, you know, we're going to continue the care of you and the baby. And I said that was correct. And so then we started going every Monday morning. We started making the two hour drive to Nashville Mm -hmm. to see the doctor and um, to check on the baby and myself.
0: So what was, I mean, I'm just trying to picture things from your perspective. You know, you had dreams of what this child would be like. What was, what were your hopes at that point?
1: After I heard that? Before. Before I heard that. Well, of course, before I heard that, I just thought, you know, I'd be bringing another, you know, energetic (laughs) baby into the world. And, you know, you guys were going to be like, you know, two years you know, two years and two and a half years or so apart, and um, close to three years, um, and that you know, you we just play and we do and we would go and be active, just like, you know, I was. We were with you,
0: mm-hmm. and then after you found out that it was the baby was hydrocephalic, then what did that change into?
1: Well, honestly, once I got past that first week. Of October, after hearing that news, I really just tried to be hopeful and prayerful that um, that God would bring healing to our baby. And I mean, like I re-
0: full restoration, like exactly. reverse the hydrocephalus,
1: right? And you know, oddly enough, or however you want to refer to it, in the Pentecostal Evangel, which was a weekly magazine that came out to our churches in the Assemblies of God, there was a story of a baby who was hydrocephalic in the womb and he was healed. Really, And so, um, we actually reached out to the pastor from that church Mm -hmm. and, um, corresponded with them and they started praying for us and, um, you know, sent us cards and, you know, just kind of kept in contact with us. During the pregnancy. And so you know we went to the doctors. And then there were times where. um, You know I would go just to my. Hospital close by. To have a test done. And then they'd be like. The baby's not responsive. You know you've got to get to Nashville. And I would call Francis. And we'd have to load you in the car. And he'd have to leave work. And we'd have to drive to Vanderbilt University. For them to do further testing on um, the baby. To see if he was responsive. Um, You know, or if something was happening to him in the womb.
0: And that would just happen randomly?
1: It would happen randomly. Mm-hmm.
0: But everything would end up being fine? Or
1: Yep, he would be moving around and it would be okay. Yeah. And these are outside of the every Monday morning trips to mm-hmm. Nashville.
0: But they would just, because it was such a sensitive situation that any sign of something, they would be concerned. Right. So what was your church's reaction and your family's reaction? Just the people in your life when they found out that something was wrong with the baby, how did they react?
1: Well, my family, I would say was very supportive, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, they, you know, loved us, you know, when they prayed for us and they hoped for the best, um, for the baby. Um, now People around us, some even in our church and some in Christian circles, you know, were what I would consider a little bit on the negative side. Like, well, if, I mean, I actually had more than one person say, well, if the doctor said you should have an abortion, maybe you should just do that.
0: Mm-hmm. And. Which is surprising because it's a conservative area. You know, right. Right. Because. People were typically voted Republican in that area, I'm assuming. Right.
1: And maybe some people, I don't know, we didn't really know anybody that had kids with special needs that much back then. But, you know, I guess they were just concerned and they thought, like, maybe the the pain would be over sooner if I didn't carry the baby to full term. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I didn't really explore and ask them questions because, like, I wasn't doing it. It was not right for me, Mm -hmm. you know, to end the baby's life. Like I felt like God gave us that baby. Yeah. And it was my job to carry him until he was born
0: and to do what I needed Mm -hmm. to do. And come what may after that point. Exactly. So, what was dad's, what was dad like? your husband what was going on with him throughout this whole process
1: well I think you know he was filled with faith that everything would be okay you know I mean we never spoke negatively about the baby we never um, you know we just stood on promises from the bible about healing and about God being with us and, you know, we really didn't um, spend time being discouraged thinking about the what ifs.
0: So what, how did you stay positive and hopeful throughout this whole situation where doctors are saying, yeah, your child's going to have special needs. There's going to be complications. When people in your church, like church people, you saying, yeah, you should get an abortion. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, how do you stay positive and hopeful throughout all that?
1: Well, partly you, um, like, I think your dad and I both have a personality that doesn't really stay in the molly grubs, as we would say back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and our foundation was firm in Jesus. And... Maybe a little bit of just trying to ignore the naysayers, you know, like letting it go in one ear and out the other. Like it's a choice. Sure. It's a choice to on what you dwell on.
0: Yeah. It's a choice to choose to be joyful and happy.
1: Right. Mm. Like I think even when you're choosing and trying to stay positive, like it's still a weight to carry, Mm -hmm. you know, of of the unknown in your future. You know, but I would say, like, you know, like, God knows our future even when we don't know it and don't understand it. Mm -hmm. You know, but we just, I mean, people sent us cards encouraging us, saying they were praying for us. You know, sent us prayer cloths, you know, scriptures reminding us of, you know, of uh, God's word. Mm -hmm. And so we really, we really just tried to stand firm on that.
0: And so you had a strong support system just from the people that you knew in your life from people who were local, family, friends from far away who were all calling you, sending you stuff and letting you know that they were there for you. And because of your faith, your relationship with God, that is also what kept you solid throughout this turbulent time.
1: Exactly right.
0: So since... They determined that it was going to have to be done through C section because his head was too big to do it the normal way. Mm-hmm. Did they choose a date to do it, or how did that like? Right. Did they choose a birthday for Nathaniel?
1: Well, as the time came um, drawing to the end of they they did another amniocentesis mm-hmm. further along in um, the pregnancy because they were just waiting for Nathaniel's lungs to be mature. And um, they did an amniocentesis, and his lungs were like five points from maturity. And so they waited like six days and then they took him, knowing that that should have been enough time. Because if I'm not mistaken, like originally they were going to take him like February the 29th, that would have been a leap year. Mm-hmm. And he ended up being born
0: on March 5th. Yeah, just because it took longer than they thought it would.
1: Right, because his lungs were not
0: mature. Mm-hmm.
1: When um when they did that amniocentesis, the second amniocentesis, and that's what they were waiting on. Like how we came to his name was like I knew the struggle that you know, the journey of this pregnancy was. And so like I completely, you know, picked out his name because of what it meant. Mm-hmm. And thus the name of the podcast, Nathaniel, a gift from God. Because I thought no matter what you know, that God put this baby into our lives, that he was a gift, you know, perfectly healthy or, you know, with challenges that come. He was still God's gift to our family.
0: Thank you guys so much for listening to this very first episode, the very first official real episode of the Gift from God podcast. I hope today's story has blessed you in some way. Let me know by sending me an email at Video. that is T-H-A-Y-E-R, video at gmail.com and let me know what you think of this episode if you want to go on itunes and leave us a rating and review and let us know how we can make this thing better this is you know like i said in the intro podcast episode this is really a platform that i want to use to tell stories that bless people's lives that makes them think makes them smarter makes them laugh makes them cry do all the good things that awesome stories do so Let me know how I'm doing and let me know how I can improve. And that is all I have for you guys today. Thank you for listening and we will talk to you next time. Bye, guys.